You're listening to KTAE AM Elgin, K270CO Round Rock, Texas Sports, The Horn. The Horn. Guests on The Horn appear courtesy of the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Vaqueros now delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. Come up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yeah, it's been a busy morning. It's uh, the fabulous fifth hour, and especially on a Friday, it becomes a complete wild card. I'm never sure what's going to happen in the fifth hour, anyhow. But uh, oh yeah, a little, little Janice Joplin. You know, mm-hmm. Rod, if you've uh, you've noticed, of course, because we planned it this way. But uh, we have five hours, and each hour we have a different open at the top of the hour, performed oh, yeah. by a local artist, right? We've had uh, the Black Pumas, of course, start us at 6 a.m., Spoon, mm-hmm. Gary Clark Jr. Live and local, baby. The Black Pumas again, and then here in the uh, the fabulous fifth hour, the fifth quarter, the madness, each morning Ty will pick a different local artist that isn't one of those first four. So this is Janis Joplin. Oh, I like it. From Corpus Christi, or Port Arthur, Texas, originally, but um, the University of Texas. Love it, baby. Janice Joplin. She's one of our the most famous. And do you know which members? Ty might know this, and I know there'll be some Texers who know this, and I'll give you a minute to respond. But do you know the famous sports figure who Janice Joplin attended high school with in Port Arthur, Texas, like in the oh, same high school? Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Yes. That is I've correct. Actually, I don't know God. where I saw this story, but I did see this story from somewhere, some Jimmy Johnson documentary or special, and he talked about it. Yeah. he He's the one that talks about it a lot. He, it's one of his favorite stories. He's, bring, he's brought it up several times. Port Arthur has produced some legends. Yeah, PA. I, I didn't even realize uh, yeah, Jimmy right, Johnson. Man. Hey, you're right Todd about Dodge. that. Todd Dodge. Yeah, mm-hmm. Todd Dodge. Pimp C, Pimp, yeah, Pimp C, Bun B, yeah, Port Arthur baby. In Jamal, is Jamal Charles Port Arthur? I think so. I think he is Port Arthur. Yeah, I think he is too. Now you're right, Port Arthur for a small spot. It's got some legendary icons that are coming out of there. And I, I was, I, I've never even hung out in Port Arthur actually in my life. I don't think. Never been. I think I passed through Port Arthur a lot. But I don't think I've you actually... You have to try to get to Port Arthur. So that's I the problem. It's actually, like, I kicked like, it in Port Arthur before. It's not, it's not on the way to anything. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. There you go. <laughs> you got to be going there to visit somebody or something like that. Like, I don't think I've actually hung out in Port Arthur. Uh, there you go. That, Jimmy Johnson, always, I've, I've heard him tell that story on, on TV or something, obviously. Not in person, but mm-hmm. I've seen him tell that story before. Well, and so he brags about, like, that's... Think about it. This is a guy that's a, a legend himself. Gonna be a hot... Is he already in that, a Pro Football Hall of Famer, or will he be? I'm not sure. I think uh, he already is. He is, and he's not that's in the Cowboys' the joke, Ring of Honor. That's why it's a joke that Jerry Jones won't put him in the Ring of Honor. So he's a Hall of Fame coach, college and pro, and yet, you know, he's bragging about, hey, man, he's dropping, he's dropping Janis Joplin as a name dropper. Yeah. Like, hey, man, I went he to said, high school. Don't forget about Joe Washington. <laughs> yeah, back in the day. Didn't he go to Oklahoma, Joe Washington? I don't even know who that is. I, I actually am unfamiliar. Who's Joe Washington? Break it down for me. He was running back. Okay. Uh, yeah. Before my time, then, uh, from Port Arthur, I got to find this. I got to. Okay. Gotta, yeah. Before I, your time, uh, <laughs> before, little little Joe Washington, Lincoln High in Port Arthur, Texas. Little Joe onto the uh, Oklahoma Sooners was the fourth pick of their draft in uh, 1976. Mm, okay. There you go. See Port Arthur. I bet that Port Arthur. Oh no, that Port Arthur Sports Hall of Fame. We're the Port Arthur Hall of Fame. They can't make it a sports. Todd Dodge, Dodge for sure there. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Joe Johnson, Washington, Janice Joplin. Ooh, man. That's uh that's pretty big time for a little Port Arthur. 
All right. I don't know how big Port Arthur. I shouldn't be calling it little. And my buddy, uh, our guy, Doctor Greg Eckert, who's uh, is he from Port Arthur? No, he said uh, he, he said Ian Rod. He said I'm from Baytown. You'd be better off kicking it there than in damn Port Arthur. <laughs> that I agree with, actually. That I do. I've been agree to Baytown. With. I've actually, hey, I dated some ladies from Baytown. Oh, got some good looking women out there too. Shout out. Trouble. <laughs> I actually had buddies in, nice. that I played baseball with growing up who ended up playing junior college at. Uh, what, Lee College in Baytown? Oh, is that in Baytown? And then okay. we went to visit them, and I, yeah, it was a bad night. <laughs> it was a bad night or a good night? <sighs> Do you remember the night? <sighs> <laughs> did, you, did you wake up somewhere and not remember how you got there or wake know. up I, I without clothes? I remember sitting there thinking, you... what the hell am I doing in Baytown? <laughs> uh, what probably... the hell am I doing in yeah. Baytown, Texas? That's probably why you decided to um, to get some of the alcohol. And... Let me move to yeah. Austin at this point. Oh. Uh, and also Janis Joplin, a part of the uh, tragic 27s club, right? All the uh, the musicians that that died on in, in their 27th year. You're right about that. I think um, yeah. Jimi Hendrix and Jim Morrison and Kurt Cobain Is Pac and Andy now? Winehouse. Did Pac pass away at 27? I think so. I think Pac was in that Tupac, group too. I believe he was Robert Johnson, the great bluesman. Brian Jones, the um, the drummer. Yeah, I mean Jim that's amazing. Morrison. They were all 27. Yeah, that is wild. Amy Winehouse, I forgot all about that. Yeah, Amy Winehouse, I really forgot about that. She that's drank crazy. To death. Yeah. That was tragedy. Cause so did Jim Morrison. These ridiculously talented human beings. Like, oh, freaks. <laughs> Which means they were little freaks in the head, too, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, you're a Jimmy little Hendrix. tormented with that. But you know, like the, it's a gift the and most, a curse. It's like, a gift like, and a curse. Like, ridiculously talented. Yeah, you just, it's a gift and a curse. kind of a burden to be, you know, to see the world through their artistic vision. Um, so. God, look at this list of people. Yeah, it's a sad list. Pat Tillman is on this list. Now, he wasn't a musician. I didn't even know that, but mm. he was... Maybe Pac wasn't 27. Maybe Pac was like 26. Maybe he was younger than that, which is also very sad. <laughs> so it says, uh, guys, the, the legendary Clifford Antone is from Port Arthur. All right. Babe Zaharias. Babe Dietrich Zaharias from Port Arthur. I think we She's, have a Port Arthur segment on the show today. There we go. Thank you for that. That's what Janice Joplin. So every morning now in the fabulous fifth hour, Ty will play a different artist that may spurn a conversation. Yeah, Tupac was 25. Thank you, Texter. Damn, he was 25? He was only 25? He's my age. Think about how committed he was to his craft, guys, and how prolific he was. He was only 25. Guys, he had like six, seven albums. He was just 25. (laughs) He went to jail for like a year out of that 25. What the, I mean, that's crazy. It's unbelievable. He didn't start rapping until he was like, what, 17, 18? So basically, Pac had like seven years. And and became like the greatest rapper potentially of all time in yeah. like an eight year span. It's awesome. That's amazing. This is guys. Tupac ain't dead. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Tupac uh, ain't dead. I'll do a deep dive into that. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is perfect. Perfect for Ty. He loves the grassy no. He lives on the he Reddit, loves Reddit the rabbit hole. Know, I don't man. even know what Reddit is. He lives in it. Uh, <laughs> Mac Miller was mentioned. Mac yep. Miller. Mac Miller's very talented. That was the only celebrity that's ever died where I, I actually felt. Legitimately sad about really. Yep. Well, that, I know ta- my kids. I, my kids, my daughter and my son Nolan loved uh, Mac Miller. When I didn't find out. Honestly, I didn't get into his music until after he died because I really? was like, why? Because people were so heartbroken. I well, was, it was like, kind okay. of a younger, younger set. Oh, well, he was very. Young. Uh, he was coming up like he's probably a few, yeah, few, two years older than me. So like when he started popping off, I was also so, so I felt like yeah. I was with him yeah. his entire yeah. career, like through the come up. He it's did Ariana Grande for like. I don't know. It, it was very sad the way it went down, though. Yeah, because she was heartbroken. That's, That's what part they, of they say that she like cried. Well, they, she, she was, was in, with another man. She was engaged to Pete yes. Davidson. Yes, and, and she, broke it off because she was so heartbroken. Yeah, but she also because part of, people say part of the reason why he 
died was oh, no. her because he spiraled really hard after she broke Ooh. up with him. Oh, that's so. good. survivor oh. guilt. Oh, and now, man. and now Ariana Grande broke up another marriage with whichever guy she's doing a film with now, and he was married for like five years and had kids. Jeez, and, and yeah. she, she's a big. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I like her too much. Uh, that always happens though when these uh, c- these celebrities, Hollywood actors, when they go off to film a movie yeah. for like nine months, and then they're supposed to be, uh, you know, obviously in love, whatever the plot, the script is. They're supposed to have a love interest, and so these people try to get in character in <laughs> this method acting, and they actually try to sub- like sub- basically immerse themselves in the role and fall in love with this person, and they actually do end up kind of falling for him. And the, the guy that she. <laughs> That this happened with recently, he's not attractive. Okay. Exactly, because in the movie, in my opinion, was it was that her love interest in the movie? I think it's like a play or like a, a play or whatever. Same thing. But you is that her love in, interest in the play? I haven't. Because sometimes that's what it is. They literally like psych themselves out, and they're, they're like, "I'm in love with them." I'm like, "No, you're mm-hmm. not. You're mm-hmm. just on this exotic island filming a movie for nine months, and who's acting like you're supposed to love this person, and you just faked yourself out. You're such a good actor or actress. It's amazing." Yeah. And they leave that island, and they, the relationship lasts like six months. It's like I, I love cotton candy. Well, that, no, you don't. You, you, you like cotton. If, you just, if all you do is eat cotton candy, you're going to be dead. Exactly. <laughs> but you don't love that person. You're just on a high. You're, just you're on, on a high. sugar high. It's infatuation, right man. It's all. That's it one. You know, I remember when Emmett Smith did this, and I questioned it. Oh, like, then this. I have a point here. When, when, like, <laughs> when, like, athletes and people who are married go on Dancing with the Stars. I never. Oh, yeah. I was like, ooh. Yeah. Imagine you're because he would do these dances with oh, these really voluptuously pretty ladies, yeah, and they're like, and that's like hours and hours and hours and hours of practice. Yep. And, yep. and come on, that's and dancing, very intimate. Dancing can be very and they're sexual. doing sambas yeah. and they're doing Ugh. rubbing up against each other for hours, yeah. <laughs> sweating it all with pheromones. I mean, what we see on the the show. Mm-hmm. That took hours, and if you're like your wife, can't be good with that, Emmett. And they tell them, they tell them, like, hey, we need we need to see the chemistry between you guys. They want to see, oh, yeah, they the sex appeal, you. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they want to see the, the sexual tension, now that kind of stuff. Yes. It's like, whoa, okay. That is you right. It's just like the actors, the same thing. Like, hey, we need to see that sexual chemistry and then on they screen. Flash guys. to the wife in the sta- in the crowd. That's oh, so good. That's so good. Oh, She's good. dry humping my husband right now. <laughs> it was amazing. And they've been uh, doing 10 that. 10. They've 10 been 10. doing that for a month now. Two out of ten. Yeah. Hey, can we talk some sports here? We got a behind the burn orange curtain coming up bottom of the Let's hour. Let's do it. Uh, we had some. What a, you know, outside of the football realm, we know we well in the football realm. We had Utah winning last night, twenty-four to eleven. Um, you know, Florida's Florida managed eleven points, one for thirteen on third down and th- and thirteen yards rushing. Uh, Billy Napier, he has a, a bit, a bit of an excuse with the travel issues and the hurricane and everything that got in their way this week. But still, they look distracted. That was a lousy looking football team. Now, now he's got some games here coming that he's got to show that that was a distracted team that didn't have a full prep pro- opportunity because of the hurricane. But man, mm-hmm. if they look like that, Billy Napier, I know it's only year two for him. They were displaced, and the concern is that if you do look like that early on, teams are going to start poaching your recruiting class oh, that's for the right. future. And then they're gonna, then your transfer portal is also going to get heated up because guys will be like, man, I'm out of here. I want to go as well. So that's what you got to worry about. If you hit a if you had a slump too early in the college football season, oh, your this, recruiting class, yes, that starts falling apart, and then people start poaching your yeah, I don't best play players. On that team. Exactly. Well, remember, I mean, Utah had the home field advantage and didn't have any travel issues, but they also were with their backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
who had the whole camp to prepare for it. I think they all knew Cam Rising wasn't going to play. Uh, so they've been preparing for this guy. And they played two quarterbacks, right? They would put in the, the speed the guy. Change he pace. ran for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, they threw a couple of wrinkles at him. But they had their, their, their uh, all Pac-12 tight end didn't play. Their, their center didn't play. I mean, this is a banged-up Utah team that's going to get better. They look real bad. And yeah. Florida just looked a mess. They didn't. Uh, special teams were bad. Um, and by the way, how about the uh, game ball to the punter for Utah last night? He kept pinning them back <laughs> over, and the ball would land on the one yard line and bounce get, his right placement, sideways. His placement was sick. He's playing it like was, with sand wedges, like long ball Dixon out there. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, so that was a killer thing. And then, uh, gosh, the the Nebraska team was up ten to three, and Matt Rule's not feeling very good this morning because his team turned the ball over twice. A game they had in control and uh, two turnovers, one a fumble, and one an interception, let Minnesota back in it, and they won that game at the buzzer. On a long field. Did y'all goal. see that it had been thirty years since Florida had played a non-conference away game? Thirty years. Yeah, here. Yeah, no, he's right. I got this. I was going to do this in uh, what the facts, but because uh, we ran out of time. Uh, but he's right about that. So with Florida's loss uh, at Utah, the Gators still have not won a true road non-conference game outside the state of Florida in thirty-four years. Damn. The last, the last win for them, uh, a road, true road non-conference game win, was Memphis against Memphis on September 23rd, 1989. Damn. What the hell? Well, they might not do it again for 35 years. <laughs> after <laughs> last course, night. It also says you have, uh, Florida has only played two true road non-SEC games outside of Florida in the last 34 years since the UM win. Also, so to, 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 to Todd's point, they, they don't do it a lot. They just oh, don't. Oh, man. Well, yeah. yeah well. Look, we've done with that Nick Saban last year when they came to Austin. That was the first time that happened in more than a decade, right? Where they yeah, they just don't yeah, they don't go on the road. They play non-conference home games and then they play neutral site games. Mm-hmm. But true on campus, you, know, you don't see it that often. I'll also say this: that uh, out of the baseball realm, Astros, Rangers, and Mariners were all off Goose last tough. night, so there was no development there. Big series. Astros have the Yankees this weekend. The Yankees have been obviously mm. bad of late. The uh, Rangers have the Twins. Which is that's a first place team, and the uh, Mariners are in New York to play the Mets, who just uh, took two out of three from the Rangers. Mm. So uh, can I give you a stat about the AOS? No, the Rangers real quick? won two out of three. Um, yes. Versus who? The Mariners. I think they won Mets. one. Are oh, really? Yeah. That's why they're in second place, Ty. I thought okay, maybe I'll, I'll double check my. Well, rest, they blew the, there, or they had the five-two lead in game three and couldn't hold it, ended up losing on the hit batter, uh, Aroldis Chapman. Yeah, I think they lost two out of three there, but I will double check. Go ahead, Rod. Give me the uh, the stat on the AOS. Uh, oh, this is a great stat. Um, I got it from MLB.com, so I think it's pretty reliable. I'm going to rely on that. Uh, it says, uh, this is the first time since the implementation of the three divisions in the AL and NL in 1994 that three teams were within one game of first place entering September. Uh, to go even deeper, only twice uh, prior, since, uh, prior since divisions were installed in 1969 when there were two nice. per league, has there been at least three teams within that criteria um, that basically also ended up within one game um, during sep- like close to September, entering September? So basically this is as competitive of a division as we've seen in Major League Baseball in the last, depending on which way you want to frame it and contextualize it, maybe the last 40, 50 years. Like it's really competitive. Said this is the, so in terms of implementation of the three divisions in the last thirty years, this is the most competitive it's been. But if you want to dive deeper, only twice prior since divisions were installed in nineteen sixty nine, when there were two per league, has there been at least three teams within 
you know, uh, one game of That's the awesome. lead in the division. Well, and I, I keep saying it in the mornings and the headlines and just talking baseball. It, it, that fact is amazing because it just you don't get this very often, especially yep. when two of the teams are from Texas, right, and the, no. the Lone Star rivals. And, it, it, you know, we know that the Rangers, I think, seven of their last ten games are against the Mariners this season. Uh, to wrap up the regular season, they have a four-game series and a three-game series with the M's, uh, which is awesome. The Astros, and by the way, Labor Day, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Rangers and Astros. Playing Oof. from Arlington, the Gilf is where they'll play. Or the Glyph, what do they call it? The Gilf, baby. By the way, the Rangers did take two out of three from the Mets. You're right about that. You know what? I was confused because the Rangers did something they haven't done all year in the first game of that series when they rallied from in the ninth inning from behind to win the game four to three. They had Mm -hmm. been 0 47 in those games. They came back and won that on the big uh, single from Nathaniel Lowe. Then they won two to one, and then they lost the game they should have won. They were up five to three in the ninth, or that would have been a sweep. And that's pretty cool, Rod. The, The Rangers got in the final three outs. Uh, on their last game with the Mets and swept that series, we would enter September with three teams tied for first place. That's wild. Instead, they lost that game, and now it's at Rangers and Astros are tied with the uh, – or excuse me, Mariners and Astros are tied with the Rangers game back. One other baseball note, and then i got a football nugget for you here, Rod. But um, props to Ronald Acuna. You know, a lot of, a lot of sports uh, monikers these days where people talk about he is, he is him. He is him. He is him. Well, Ronald Acuna Jr. is him. Uh, because last night he hit his 30th home run of the year. It was a grand slam. Uh, and, gosh, you got to watch this series this weekend. If you want good baseball, in addition to the ones I just mentioned, Braves and Dodgers, they played the first game of four last night, and the Braves jumped out to a big lead thanks a large measure to that grand slam from Acuna, and it ended up an 8-7 game, and the Dodgers had a chance in the ninth to maybe get a tie and run in, and they closed it down. This is going to be a great series, playoff atmospheres. Because you have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman playing to MVP levels. But the MVP in the National League is Ronald Acuna. He is now the first player in the history of Major League Baseball. Say that again. History, history. of Major League Baseball. They've been playing for a bit. Mm-hmm. To have a 30 home run, 60 stolen base season. Never has happened before. And, oh, yeah, Rod, he's got a month left. That's amazing. I mean, a month left. In a month. So he's about to just – he's about to set a record that nobody's ever, might not even touch. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say or this. Or maybe him. He would. Uh, I will say this though: changing the rules that allowed for you know more aggressive base running, the larger bases. Yeah, that's all Rob helping. Little, that's all helping. But this is mostly just freakish freak. <laughs> talent. By freak. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's a freak yeah. uh, without a doubt. And you know, who, you know who will break it is him. Yeah, he, he, he is might him. break his. He might be like Shohei. He'll set <laughs> records. He'd be the only one that can break them. Hey, can yeah, we? Uh, I want to play this for you, Rod. Switch, switch it back to the NFL because NFL's off this week. They'll they'll take center stage next Thursday. Uh, it's all college football this weekend, and we're going to go behind mm-hmm. the burn orange curtain at the bottom of the hour talk some Texas football. Here from Sark yesterday. Sark had his final availability to the media before game one, depth chart, chart conversations, and all the rest. But uh, So the big story now, we, we had earlier, and who said that? We had Chris Ballard talking about the Jonathan Taylor saga, which is ongoing. Yep. Also in San Francisco, your guy Kyle Shanahan. Shano. So, of course, we know that they traded Trey Lance to Dallas. Jimmy Garoppolo signed with the Raiders this offseason. And remember, we played the sound for you earlier in the week that Jimmy Garoppolo, when asked about how the how Kyle Shanahan handled all this quarterback situation with Trey Lance and Garoppolo, and because Garoppolo was there when they drafted Trey Lance, right? And yes, so he was. Garoppolo felt like because remember they they signed him, mm-hmm. they gave him a big contract, and then they drafted and traded up a lot to go get Trey Lance, which probably didn't unnerved John Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit. And then they drafted Brock Purdy, and he became Brock Purdy. <laughs> and this year they've cleaned the decks. And, you know, Garoppolo had the comments like, yeah, because the, the guy asked him, do you, how, do you, 
How do you feel like they handled the quarterback situations out there in <laughs> San Francisco? Gr- that was a great comeback. A and great Garoppolo said, how do, you th- how do you think they handled it? <laughs> but here's Kyle Shanahan. He was asked yesterday, and you can list this a little bit long, but it's Shanahan at his press conference, your good buddy, part of the wood, mm-hmm. uh, explaining how they handled the three quarterbacks. You've had a ton going on at quarterback the last few years. I know you're not intentionally trying to have a lot of things going on, but you got Jimmy now commenting on it or Trey and showing up in Dallas. Do you pay attention to any of that, and do you think all that's over, and are you relieved if you have this kind of rotating thing over right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. I try not to pay attention outside of here. I try to deal with the people in here that I have to deal with, um, and I have felt very good about that. Um, I, I did see Trey. I was happy watching him actually while I was eating lunch with his press conference in Dallas, and Trey is as real as it gets, and that's how he talks in here. That's how he is every day, so uh, it's cool to see him handle that the right way, and um, he did seem genuinely kind of happy, and uh, I feel he's in a good position to move on and do better there. Um, you know, Jimmy, the comments are the comments. I'm really not concerned about his comments. Any relief? Do you sense that this kind of era of lots of changing is over? Um, I mean, the era of changing is, you know, when we got here, we, we waited 10 weeks, made a trade for a quarterback, played five games, and... Then we made him the highest paid quarterback of all time at the time. Um, then he played two of the next five years and did really good in those two years. It's, his injuries for three of those five years were legit. It was rough on him, rough on us. Um, and then we made a move to go to a younger quarterback. And that's what we did. Um, we thought he'd be ready in two years and he wasn't. And now we have a different younger quarterback. So that's the situation. There you go. Kyle Shanahan. And there I mean, he takes another jab at the end, too, because one of the, the, the comments that Jimmy Garoppolo made was that it was a very unique situation there. And he was like, a lot of things about are unique about uh, the 49ers and San Fran. And Shadow up at the end there, I believe he does go into, like, it was unique. Yeah, unique. It was unique. <laughs> it was unique. So he does he makes a reference there. But I'll just say this. Just knowing him and just knowing him really well, listening to that sound <laughs> and psychoanalyzing my boy Shano. Who was one he, of your very best friends. He is so annoyed with talking season because talking season this year has been just they, – they've been eviscerating the 49ers and how they've handled the Trey Lance situation and all that kind of stuff. Um, and now he's ready, for, he's ready to play. He, he just wants to play ball as soon as possible because he's so tired of people talking trash about the mistake. It was a mistake. It was a boneheaded, dang coaching mistake they made about Trey Lance. But he's like, people are, people forgot that we've been competing for the NFC Championship year after year. Even with all these mistakes, even with all these issues, yes, I missed out on drafting Micah Parsons or Jalen Waddle. Yes, we missed out on all that. But y'all still see that we're basically the best team in the NFC, not named Philadelphia. And yeah. we could probably beat them if we had a healthy quarterback. Right. He's really annoyed at that. He's everybody's forgot all about what he accomplished, and all they can look at is the horrible, terrible yeah, mistake they made. Trying to paint them made. as a bad organization. Yeah, he's like, like, what? what? <laughs> yeah, he's like, what are you talking about? And man? I thought he laid it out really well there. And you know, okay, we we traded for Jimmy Garoppolo because we needed a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Right, that's who he's talking about. Five years ago, and then that quarterback, we made him five games in. We made him the highest paid quarterback ever. Paid him, and then he proceeded to play. Two seasons of the next five in which he could stay healthy in. Right? That was the story one. of Jimmy Garoppolo. And the one year he played well, they went to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl and won. Uh, and, you know, they lost the Super Bowl, right, yeah. when they oh. got there. They were up double digits in the fourth quarter. Patrick Mahomes. Oh. Twice now he did that. Brutal. But they went to the Super Bowl. 
but he couldn't stay healthy. Like the, the, when they when they traded up to draft Trey Lance, they said very clearly, "We need more stability and a, an available quarterback." Mm-hmm. Well, did they get it wrong with Trey Lance? Yes, in hindsight, yes, we now know that. But as he said when he traded Trey Lance, year one, we knew he was going to be a project. We still had Garoppolo. We were going to let him season, mm-hmm. and when we finally built the offense around Trey Lance, he got hit. His finger hit a helmet. He yeah. broke his finger, and he missed most of the year. Couldn't play. Then, okay, the following year, we built the entire offense around him. We put him on the field, and he blew out his ankle in week one. <laughs> so we could never play. And so, you know, fast forward to the draft, they get Brock Purdy, and he becomes a sensation. Yeah. I mean, I would turn it back to the, to the critics of the 49ers and say, what should they have done? Neither guy could stay healthy. They found their quarterback. They signed a, a capable, more than capable backup in Sam Darnold. They let Jimmy Garoppolo walk, and then they traded Trey Lance. They're admitting their mistake. They are, but the mistake came with guys who couldn't stay on the field. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I can, I can hear the frustration in your guys, Shano, too. It's like, y'all, we're going to be okay. <laughs> exactly. He's like us. We, just, we, we are not. Uh, you know, uh, we are not a fuster cluck of a franchise just because we made one mistake at quarterback. It happens. Yeah. Um, and, and we still don't think it was a mistake. It was just that he bad, couldn't stay bad healthy. Luck. Yeah, it's bad luck. And he got passed on the depth chart by this guy Brock Purdy, who we think's pretty damn good. Now, again, the, the the rub for Kyle Shanahan will be if Brock Purdy regresses and he's not the same. That will be the rub. But he's not banking on that. He, no, they, I know. They, they they're banking have, on him being better this year. Exactly. The way he's talking, no, no, Brock's going to be even better than he was last year, even coming off the injury. So I think you're. I think it's just it's frustration on his part because people are trying to paint him in the light that they're, they're, they're incompetent. That he's a coach killer. That he, yeah, a quarterback killer. Quarterback killer. And he's like, man, I've actually made quarterbacks' careers in my system. So I think this year he's going to be coaching with a chip on his shoulder and and that's a scary thought for the rest of the league. Cause I, and also, he needs that Super Bowl. He needs it because he's been so close. And everybody, because when he, when, he, when he traded for Trey Lance, he was tired of the narrative being, man, if the 49ers ever invested in a quarterback, a real quarterback, man, what could this franchise be? And he's like, well, so Jimmy, Jimmy's not the real thing. Like, well, Jimmy's a game manager who, you know, can he can never help you in big games, in big moments. He has a ceiling and he can only, you know, go so far and take his team so far. So they went out and got a quarterback with a really high ceiling. Who could be the, the the projected franchise quarterback that everybody thought the 49ers would need for the future? That didn't work out. And they ended up drafting Brock Purdy. So I think a lot of it was just trying to really trying to appease a lot of the, the, the fans and the criticism well, of I the 49ers. I think they wanted more because they understood how good the rest of the roster was. Yeah. They just wanted to have an available quarterback. And, and, you know, Rod, you could do the deep dive on this, but for people to say that they gave up on Trey Lance or whatever, look, go find the numbers of players, even high draft picks who stay and flourish with the team if they miss most of their first two seasons of oh, playing. Yes, rare. Which is why I'm concerned in Houston about Kenyon Green, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Texans used the 15th pick on Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. He's going to be hurt again this year. He was hurt last year. I don't project him to be a good player because they're always looking for your replacement. And if you can't even be on the field to fight for the job, you're not going to last with that organization. Mm-hmm. You may flourish somewhere else like Trey Lance hopes he does, but you're not flourishing there. Nope. I mean, it's just that's how the league works. And just because it's the quarterback position and it's so under a microscope, that's how the 49ers went. But, I mean, I, I agree with you on Kyle Shanahan here. I would say for Kyle, you know, Matt Ryan's MVP year, he looked better than any time we've ever seen Matt Ryan play quarterback. Yep. Kyle Shanahan, they went to the Super Bowl. Now they blew it up 28-3. to A lot of fingers to point on that. Oh, but, a lot of them. But uh, I, I, there are reasons why the Garoppolo thing and the Trey Lance thing happened, and mostly because they're injuries, and then mostly because Brock Purdy showed up. 
I'm, I'm glad they're willing to admit their mistake. That's sure. a, lot, a lot of teams around the league are not willing. The Eagles do that all the time. The Eagles will be like, man, we brought this guy in. Carson Wentz. They're like, ah, we screwed it up. Yeah. And they just and, and once you admit your mistake, you can learn from it and move on. Some teams, they you know throw good Harbor. money after bad. Exactly. Try to chase it. Sure, mm-hmm. Yes, and they end up putting themselves in a deeper hole. I'm just glad they decided, no, nah, man, we're close to a Super Bowl. Even with that mistake, let's just move forward. Yeah, we feel really good about our team this yeah. year. We've got two good quarterbacks, and we've got Brock Purdy. Uh, and good, good luck to Trey Lance. And now that's Dak Prescott's problem to deal with what they're going to do with Trey Lance in Dallas. Damn. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we're going behind the burn orange curtain one more time. Uh, also tell you where Rod and I will be hanging out tomorrow. We want you to come pregame with us ahead of Texas and Rice. Uh, watch college football with us. We'll tell you where when we come back here on Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook them up, hook them up, no doubt. Uh, we've got college football on the brain. Rod's going to take us behind the burn orange curtain one more time coming up. Also before the top of the hour, what's popping? I'll tell you what's popping is uh, Ty's picks of last night, two for two. Two for two on the uh, Sex Panther picks. He's, he's in his wheelhouse now. Football season is here. He's not messing around with that little baseball thing. Feeling good about your picks here coming up there, T.Y.? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give out, I think, five picks for this weekend Ooh. starting tonight. Okay, I'll, I'll match you on that. I'll have a couple, too. Also, uh, Rod and I will get you where it's popping. What's popping tomorrow for us on pregame is going to be the Mockingbird Saloon right on uh, Guadalupe there, right uh, right before 27th Street. If you're coming from the south, if you're coming from the north, it's just after 27th. But you want to go down 27th regardless of what you do. You want to turn there if you're going right or left. Uh, they have some parking in the back, or you can park on the street behind it. Uh, it's right on Guadalupe, though. You can come in from the backside or you can come in the front. Right off Guadalupe, uh, right next to Kirby Lane, Mockingbird Saloon. We'll be there pre-gaming. We'll get there about 1130, uh, watching TCU in Colorado, and we'll go live for two hours from noon to two, giving you more pre-game insights and coverage and conversation about the Longhorns and the Rice Owls and keeping you posted on some of the other scores that are going on in early college football. So either tune in. Or join us. I mean, I'm sure a lot more of you will be able to tune into us on the Horn app and on 1019 and AM 1260 than we'll be able to join us down there because you've got your own tailgating plans and all those things. That's fine. Just tune us in on the Horn app. And Rod and I will be there from noon to 2 tomorrow. Tonight, yesterday in this spot, we talked to Drew Sanders, the head coach at Vandegriff High. He uh, had some good thoughts about their rivalry with Cedar Park tonight. That's the game that we uh, we have um, Cedar Park and Vandergriff. Of course, we carry Vandergriff every week. Uh, if you missed it from last night, Westwood put on a show, beat up on Austin High 49-14. Weiss put it on LBJ 44-19. Bastrop beat Leander. Hendrickson beat Colleen Ellison. Colleen outscored Stony Point. Uh, and the games tonight, Rod, uh, Ty, I'm sure you're excited about this. Westlake and Converse Judson. That's over at the over at the Westlake house, right? I might I might scoot over there after. Uh, I think you might need to after we do the uh, remote here tonight. CJ. CJ, uh, Converse Judson, not sure what they are. To do. We know Westlake's the top-ranked team in the area. Cibolo steals at Lake Travis. That'll be a great game. Cibolo, great program out of the uh, northern San Antonio area. Uh, Georgetown is at Vista Ridge in a good game. Georgetown, one of the most uh, high-powered offenses in the league, and Vista Ridge got a really good defense. Uh, Hutto and Liberty Hill squaring off, and then Bowie and Cedar Ridge. So um, those games tonight. So looking forward to the high school, the college, and the pro, and we'll see you all at the Mockingbird. That's amazing. Saloon. Ooh, I'm going down to uh, the drag today in the co-op. 
I'm going to hang out there a little bit with my man Bobby Burton. We're going to do a live stream out there from the co-op. So shout out to Horns, uh, to our uh, Horns Apparel, because I'll be out there, probably take some pictures with the Horns Apparel. You're going to wear one of your shirts? I'll be representing, too. Yeah, representing my Horns Apparel. What time is that? um, That'll be at 3 o'clock. Bobby Burton and myself are going to be out there live, and we're going to do a live stream. So if you can't go out there and join us, then you can just, you know, go on Texas Football on YouTube, and you can enjoy the live stream there. Uh, But also, I'm going to go down to Mockingbird and go have myself a little drink down at Mockingbird so I can familiarize myself with our new home for pregame and probably during the game too. If you like <laughs> good, if you like good uh, old school on campus kind of dive bar places, you're going to love it. I love old school dive bars near pool campus. tables <laughs> that look like there've been a lot of uh, oh the wear and tear wear on and them. tear on oh, them. Man. Dart boards. It's fantastic. Got a certain smell to oh, it. Oh, you Very can't ever get it out. Dive bar smell. Your wife can tell when you've been to a dive bar. Like, why do you smell like that? What is that? What is that? I don't even like cigarettes, and I, I find myself smoking cigarettes every time I go to a oh, dive bar. No, no, try, I am I don't a know social why. smoker when it comes to cigarettes. I'm not. I don't smoke anymore. I used to. My wife, she broke me of the habit because she's a saint. But when I go out and I drink at a dive bar, I will find me a, a loose cigarette from somebody. I'll go bum a it's cigarette. Have to. Oh, I have to. Oh, it's part of like the, the tradition. It's almost a ritual. When I'm at a dive bar Definitely. drinking. Yeah, Let's no. go out back. Exactly. <laughs> See, me and Todd need to kick it. That's what we'll do at Mocky Road. Me and Todd that. be in the back smoking a well, cig. A menthol <laughs> in the back. <laughs> well, Rod's at the uh, co-op. I will be with Patrick Davis this afternoon, 5 to 7, out at the or 5 until Vandergriff. At the uh, oh, Round yeah. Rock Hyundai. Ooh. Round Rock Hyundai. We'll be okay. talking Texas football and um, checking out. They've got their grand reopening there of Round Rock Hyundai. So I'll be there with Patrick. That's going to be a lot of fun. Looking Beautiful. forward to that. Uh, so come check us out there. Or if you're up that way, Patrick and I will be there. Somebody said no more giveaways. We gave away a great prize at the Lavaca Street Bar yesterday, right? Hey, that was something given away there. That yeah, yeah. pretty good. The pretty good. I yeah. want to join Rod and I on Thursdays mm-hmm. uh, when we have home games. Just saying, Rod and I are going to be at a different location. Wherever Brown Distributing tells us to go is where we're going, and that's where we have cool giveaways and fun stuff to do. Because they're kind people, the Brown Distributing family. Hey, Rod. Um, so that's we'll we'll get to what's popping coming up. What's popping? But right now we're going behind the BOC. Let's do it. And they were all asking themselves the same question: What is behind? All right, time to get to uh, some Texas football conversation. We played some sound from uh, Steve Sarkeesian earlier, um, and if you missed any of that, we'll have that podcast before you can go check it out. But uh, I think the biggest news coming out of the media availability had to do with the offensive line. I mean, Sark's been really... You know, he's been a little coy, and uh, he's been secretive about depth charts. He did say that he would release, or at least the media should get a depth chart right before the game. So basically, probably when they are, you know, entering the uh, the stadium or when they go up to the, to the press box, I'm sure there will be depth charts there. Before the gen pop like us, I don't know if we're going to get that depth chart officially until the media gets it, then they release it to us. But he did say that DJ Campbell is going to start at guard over Cole Hudson. But I, uh, for listening to Kyle Flood, I think e, that he, they're going to have eight linemen they trust in the rotation. Uh, we know they're going to use that sixth old lineman pack. So they have eight linemen in the rotation that they that they trust. So, you know, the Cole Hudson will play, but they want to start with D.J. Campbell. And I think the reason they want to start D.J. Campbell, a big part of it is they want to um, they want to infuse some juice in the run game post Bijan and Rojo. And from what I've heard about D.J. Campbell, his elite X-Man ability is as a run blocker. 
that he he can open up holes. He's a road grader, and I think they want that presence in the interior. On the, on the at the tackles, they've been they've been really good pass blocking and run blocking with Christian Jones and of course with Kelvin Banks. But now they want to be able to be a little bit more stout on the interior. That's where DJ Campbell comes in. Big humans. I even saw my boy uh, at Nino's Corner who does a great job following Texas football. Uh, he tweeted out the average size. Uh, at height and weight for a Texas offensive line, average weight three hundred and twenty-four pounds. Damn near three twenty-five. You want to round up, and the average height is six four. That is the biggest O line in the Big Twelve. And uh, against Rice, you should be able to manhandle them up front. This is one of the worst rushing defenses in all of college football, allowing five point three yard over five point three yards per rush in twenty twenty-two. That was the eighth highest uh, for an opposing yards per rush average in the country. And then they also allowed like 181 rushing yards per game. So this is a slump buster. If Texas, just so you know, long offense, if Texas can't run the ball versus Rice, then start start freaking out. Be afraid. Yeah. Be start, very afraid. Yeah, then have, you can have a little anxiety about it because if they, Rice is the slump buster. Everybody should be able to run the rock against Rice. So that's one concern. Also, something E and I were talking about, uh, about the game plan for Texas going into uh, this Rice matchup offensively versus the Rice defense. And by the way, the Rice defense, they love their corners and their, their secondary. That's the strength. Uh, they got some good players. Jason Dunbar is a corner, a really good player. Um, they also have Fresh, who actually is from LBJ. Uh, he went to Austin LBJ, about 5'8", maybe 177. But he's, he's a Sean Fresh. He's a really good corner for them, too. And they got Gabe Taylor, who's his, uh, the brother, younger brother, of uh, the late, great Sean Taylor. So that's the strength. They got playmakers in the secondary. I think guys have actually could potentially play at a higher level if they wanted to, but they don't really have those resources when it comes to their front seven, which is why Texas could play bully ball. But we were talking about something earlier about whether Sark's going to come with a vanilla game plan, like just totally vanilla, tech, knowing that you can go out there and beat them with your basic you know, schemes with no schematic, strategic, tactical advantage. It's Rice. You should be able to do that. Or... Do you, and, and by the way, that would be, you know, the strategy would be trying to hide as much, you know, as, as, me, as much material, all right, as, as much material as you can from Bama. So the Bama has very little to game plan on and with based on what they've seen so far out of that one, in that one game versus Rice. Or you could decide to almost uh, uh, inundate, <laughs> all right, the, uh, the, the, the Rice squad with so many concepts, so many personnel packages, so many formations. And, by the way, these are already things that you've shown because you've been at Texas for two years, continuity with the staff and the players. you got a lot of returning starters. So uh, in terms of game planning, Alabama game planning for Texas, they really do have a pretty thorough sample size on what schemes, tendencies, trends, patterns um, that Texas utilizes. They can really figure that out. So I do wonder if Sark would show a little bit more in the game versus Rice just to force Alabama to have to address and prepare for all of those possible scenarios when knowing they only have 20 allotted hours per week to do so. And you would almost force them to prepare for all those scenarios, which means they're going to be ill-prepared. Yeah. All right. For whatever way you're going to attack them. So if they if you force them to prepare for everything, they'll be ill ill prepared for the main thing. So that's the route Sark could go to. I think he's gonna go vanilla though. I think you'll get vanilla, not you know, I don't think he'll go with a kind of overwhelming, overwhelm them approach with let's let's let them see everything we got 
um, and then see if they can prepare for everything rather than the vanilla approach, which is show them very little and give them very little to be able to to uh, to use in preparation. Yeah, I think that that you you said that yesterday, Lavaca Street, and I thought, man, that is. Uh... That's a, that that's because I just my 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 blockhead thinks no just go with vanilla don't show them anything but you're right I mean if, if you have all this personnel and you're going to ma- you're going to major in personnel groupings and mm-hmm. you know from for everything from six offensive linemen with with two tight ends and go huge jumbo uh, again you're not going to show them actual plays or game plans that you're no. going to use but you show them the formations you show them you know the the personnel groups yep. and make them. You know, as you know, I mean, uh, and Sark is building here. Nick Saban's got analysts on top of analysts. They'll they'll be watching every play of this game, and that's going to be how they prepare for Texas. And they only have 20 hours a week with the players. So, yeah, uh, for especially a new team with, with a new defensive coordinator, it's, it's Nick Saban's defense, we know that. But, you know, the more time... You know they, they want to they want to work on everything, but they can be masters of none. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Now they're going to be working on multiple. They know Sark's multiple. They know he's got a lot of different things. But at least they, they this force. I, I think that'll be interesting to see how they play it out. And I think you said something earlier that I think is true too. With Rice and their talent level, the everything you need to learn about Texas and where they are right now is in the first quarter, quarter and a half. Yep. Agreed. If they struggle, like on third downs, if they struggle to run the ball early, uh, because if you get to the end of the game and they've rushed for 250 yards, but a lot of them came in the third and fourth quarter when when it's when they wear them down with depth and talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be looking at that first quarter, that first quarter and a half, and I'm yep. looking for the thing Sark has talked about. You know, red zone efficiency, third down conversions, money downs, money downs. Yeah, he he started camp saying we're so far along with our install. We're going to start working on the nuances of the game, the situations of the game. So situations become the thing. I'm not worried about the scoreboard here. I'm worried about how -hmm. do they look on third downs? What is their third down package? How do players execute within these money downs on both sides of the ball? Because Sark, I mean, PK has said getting off the field on third and fourth down was a huge priority for them. So, And I think in the first quarter and a half, that's where you're going to see Rice try to make their bones. And if they're able to be successful with either side of their ball – Against Texas, that's where you get a little little nervous because, uh, mm-hmm. and again, they're a competitive football team, as Mac, as your guy Mac would say. They got scholarships too. <laughs> they got scholarships too. They got scholarships. <laughs> Don't think they're not. But you're right, though. I, that they first, play hard. That first quarter is going to be because I, I Rice doesn't. They, the coaches don't think they can beat Texas. And in a perfect world, if you're really excited about Texas, you you like your teams with Mac, and then teams right after you. That a team like Rice, they would just it'd be thirty five nothing at half. Ideally, be, yeah. That's can Texas go to that point where the offense is is you're just you're you're because there were times last year Texas did that where they built big leads mm-hmm. and, and just crushed teams and the script was on point and they executed it on point and um, but you don't want to see them muddling around with Rice here early. You want to see them sharp, crisp, no you know procedural penalties uh, and get after a Rice team and I think we'll learn a lot about this team tomorrow. Mm-hmm. All right. 2.30 kick time, but we will be at uh, Mockingbird Saloon at, at noon and live here on the Horn, noon to 2. So tune in and check it out. Uh, come see us or listen. We'll be back with What's Poppin'. What's Poppin'? Who you Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that flight stocking. Just joshing. I'm going to spend this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. What is poppin'? Let's uh, start with T.Y. because he says he has five picks. So let's not uh, short him on his... What's popping, Sex Panther? They've done studies, you know. They have. 60% of the time, it works every time. Every time. That doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, doesn't make sense. But that neither does Ty sometimes. But a lot of times he does, which is really good. Uh, T.Y., T.Y., uh, what do you have for us? You say five picks. That's correct. Against the Vegas number. Let's go. I'm keeping score on you, my friend. There's um, no doubt about that. Yeah, so 2-0 last night. Uh, off to a, you know, Remind folks what those two were. It was uh, Utah on the points and the under and the NC State-UConn game, which I was a little worried about that one for a while there. It looked like it might go over, but a low-scoring second half secured that one. NC State, um, mm-hmm. and UConn, UConn under. Okay, like that. Okay. And then, so 2-0. So starting tonight, I have Stanford money line over Hawaii. That's at minus one seventy-five. So you're not getting much value there. But if you want to maybe attach it with where my, is that game? It's in Hawaii. Ooh, yeah. Now, the complex not far from where the fires were, right? I'm I'm not sure, but I mean Stanford's only a three-point favorite in that game, which is weird to me. No, because I, I, that's what it was. It was where they play the Maui Invitational. Was not far the basketball. It's at the Clarence TC Ching Athletic Com- Complex. Okay, so you got Stanford. What else? Um, and then. Starting at 3 on Saturday, I have North Texas beating Cal at home. The Mean Green. Nice. Uh, plus 220 when I got it. I think it's at plus 220 What's the line? Now. The line is minus, minus – they're plus 6.5. Okay, so inside a touchdown, but uh, some good points there. I like um, – and by the way, Cal, uh, you, North Texas has the new head coach, right? The new head coach that they've come in at North Texas. Um, I like this. So the Mean Green, that's my daughter's school. So I oh, you've been keeping up with it. You know, no, I don't. Mm. No, I, she doesn't even go to football games. Oh, come on. She doesn't go to football games yeah, at all? Yeah, if her sorority has a function uh, there, okay. they, they do go to the games mm. and get all dolled up and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, yeah, they play Cal. Uh, where is that game, Ty? It's in uh, Denton. Really? Yep. I like this. Uh-oh. Go Mean Green. Yeah, that's that's my... But you know who's going to be playing a heater is Cal because Cal just found out this morning they're going to the ACC. That's been made official now. They're going to be hype. They'll be hype. Mm-hmm. Stanford, too. So you're going against that, though, because the mean green. Are you parlaying this, Ty? No, these are just five straight picks. We're not five doing straight. parlays this year. Nope, okay. no parlays. No parlays this year. I'm talking him out of Learned them. Learned his lesson. Um, and then the next game is on Saturday night at 6 p.m. It's the UTSA-Houston game at Houston that we've talked about a lot this week. Uh, I have UTSA money line in that one. Uh, but the spread is minus one and a half in favor of UTSA That's right smart now. move. So UTSA is going to win that game. I my opinion. So Stanford, so North well. Texas, UTSA. That's only three, right? Yep. And then I have Tulane over South Alabama minus six and a half. That's easy. That's good money. I like yeah, that. What I love the me hell? some. I love me some Willie Fritz, mm-hmm. Mason Pratt, the quarterback there, coming off a big freshman year. Tulane's playing who? Southern Miss. So, uh, Southern South Alabama. Alabama. South Alabama. South Alabama. Yeah, oh, that Major Appleby. I didn't even realize that. Is he oh, still calling plays there? Right, actually. Yeah. yeah, let me look that up. And, and then, then the last one of the Sex Panther picks, sure to be right some of the time. Uh, LSU over Florida State on Sunday night. Ooh, okay. And they're minus 145, and the spread on that one is LSU minus 2.5 as of right now. Well, okay, since this is for fun. Yep. Uh, N- yeah, now, Major's at there. He's at South Alabama. Now, what's the line UTSA? Uh, plus 1.5. One one plus 1.5? Minus 1.5 minus one one UTSA. They're favored, okay. Uh, at Houston, and Houston's wearing those really cool Oiler uniforms. Oh, that's going to be clean. Sometimes <laughs> UTSA is going to have a counter for that because – they they like to you know they shake like it to, up yeah they they like Knock to it out, they like to go viral and trend with stuff. Maybe they did that against Texas. Remember they had a different uniform, not a different uniform, but they introduced like a video, like a hype video where they came on yeah. campus oh, they, and like filmed some campus. stuff. Yeah, yeah it was on yeah. UT campus. They like to shake things up, uh, get a little controversial. Well, when they can. I will add one to the pile. I'm going to go opposite you against Florida State. I'm going to take Florida State in the points. Okay. Mm. Um, what, what's the line there? That Florida State. Uh, it's Florida State is. 
a two and a half point underdog. Okay, I'm going to take those two and a half. Thank you very much. In Orlando, Thank I don't. You very I'm, much. Not, I'm not buying. I'm going to take Florida State. I think they're better. And I'm going to take TCU and lay the twenty and a half. I just think TCU is going to roll it up on. Colorado, I know. Oh, I cannot wait for that game. It scares me just a little bit. It does because you just never know. There's so much much unknown. We haven't seen the Deion Sanders team at this level. We don't even know who's on his team for the most part. They're from parts unknown. They're from everywhere. They are. From everywhere. That could end up being an advantage or a disadvantage. I have no idea. Yeah, you kind of sounded like Deion there. (laughs) Uh, But, Ty, for our our audience who may want to lay a wager or two, do you have a favorite of those picks? Maybe Maybe your top two. If they don't want to do five, I think the Tulane minus six and a half and UTSA minus one. And I agree half. with that. I was going to say that. that Tulane one that seems like easy money. And then if you're trying, if you're chasing the big money, I, I know we're probably doing spreads here, but the North Texas money line for them to straight up just win that game, I think that could easily happen against Cal. Okay. Against Cal. All right, so I'm putting TCU on that pile and looking for that's the. But you know what, Rod? I know you want to see Cal TCU. I don't know that that's going to be much of a game. At least that would be my pick. I'm excited to see North Carolina, South Carolina. That'll be popping. I think uh, Spencer Rattler against – I think you have two future NFL quarterbacks. Uh, Drake May could be a very high pick at quarterback. no doubt. Uh, Caleb Williams, the best quarterback. Drake May is there. And I think Spencer Rattler, um, when he gets hot, is really good. I really like that game. That could be one of the games of the weekend as far as, you know, fourth quarter drama. Border war, rivalry game. Mm-hmm. I love that game. I agree with that. And, you know, Mac Brown, when he has a good quarterback, Mac Brown's teams are really good. Um, and he's got a really good quarterback. So uh, I, I'll take North Carolina in that matchup. But people are really high on South Carolina this, this year. And mostly because they got Spencer Rella coming back. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they've got and Shane Beamer. I like Shane Beamer. Too. I'm buying Shane Beamer. Yeah, I, I like think Shane he's Beamer. a really good coach. I do too. And I think he, uh, he gets it. By the way, Eric Morris is the new head coach at North Texas. Oh, it used to be the tech, uh, yeah. like the tech receiver or whatever. Him? Yeah, oh, he, man. he came to Denton after one season at o, as OC and quarterback coach at Washington State. He was an Incarnate Word for Incarnate Word. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. So he's kind of the GJ <clears throat> Kinney. He's out of that GJ Kinney mold. That, that tree. Yeah, that tree. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, looking forward to it. What are you popping on this weekend, right outside of college football? Anything? Oh. I'll be watching Astros, Rangers, Mariners. Oh man, it's just too much. Braves. I mean, it's just football galore. You can watch some baseball if you want to. A sports gasm will probably happen this weekend with me. Just no, I know. Too much sports to deal now. with. I'm 50 now, Rod, so it's going to take a while. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be next week for me. It'll be next week for me. It will next week when the when the that's when the gasm comes when that's the true. when the NFL joins the colleges and the baseball. That's what. Yeah. Well, I, you're right. I guess my, I'm, I guess I'm a little premature, huh? So the, <laughs> not like Ty though. Apparently, Ty uh, Ty sifted through this. The he hit did. as the herd thinned at Don's Depot. Slump Buster, baby. That was Deep Eddie last night. Deep Eddie. Slump Buster. As the as the herd thinned. Mm-hmm. He went. He went uh, jungle cat. Got the scraps. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Let oh, all. the scraps. Way to go, Ty. Wow. And good work by you. No, no shame, my friend. Yeah, no. Rod, That's I will uh, hopefully be watching you a little bit on your your uh, on Texas stream there with Bobby Burton at yes, three sir. o'clock today. Hopefully, yep. able to come out and see me in Round Rock, Round Rock Hyundai, <laughs> along with Patrick Davis, with all kinds of great stuff to give away and good conversation to be had. And I'll see you tomorrow. At noon, 11 a.m., 11.30, we'll be out there on at noon from the uh, Mockingbird Saloon on Guadalupe, right at 27th. Come and see us. Rod, have a great weekend, my friend. I'll you see too, a bunch brother. of you. Also, Ty, good luck with your picks. We'll have grades and full conversation, obviously, on Labor Day Monday. We'll be here for you.